I have a prepared statement for you that I would like to read for you here and for you online today. Firstly, I want to apologize for broadcasting the subject matter I did last week. I especially want to apologize for my, my lack of judgment and for my most recent upload about Jared Kushner and the number of a man. I realize it was very insensitive of me, and for that, I am true. No. No. Not at all, because that would be the wicked spirit of compromise and of Balaam. And today, we are going to do some serious arse-smiting, because Balaam's arse is what this is all about. We are going to kick the occult, compromising arse of Balaam, and I have not fallen under that spell. But there are some of you out there, you wicked little trolls. And you better not be on the chat, because we'll kick you right out of here. You wicked little Zio trolls that have been put under that spell. And it is a spell. Because we find that Balaam was in fact rebuked for his iniquity. The dumbass speaking with a man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. And I know there goes our holier-than-thou troop because he said, oh. Greetings to all 12 tribes scattered abroad and Shabbat Shalom. I want to thank you, our donors out there, you that do support this ministry. Without you, we wouldn't be able to broadcast live and gather in the saints at the three pilgrimage feasts. So thank you for all the support over all of the years. And if you're new to donating to this ministry, donating, then we thank you so much for joining this wonderful journey of expression of gathering the 12 tribes, you scattered abroad. Now remember, download our teachings. Download them while you can, while we try and figure out other platforms to host us. And remember, do subscribe to the channel because it really does make a difference. And smash those thumbs. Give us some thumbs up because today we are in Revelation chapter 2. We are looking at the mad prophet, of course. We are looking at Balaam, Revelation chapter 2, and we're going to bang right into the 14th verse. 
But I have a few things against you. Because you have there, yes, there, sneaking around, sometimes trolling around, those that hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 14. But also, we've got a parallel text in 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 12. But these are natural brute beasts. They are animals. They are carnal. They're unsatiable brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed. They speak evil of the things they do not understand. That is a common thread. They speak evil of things that they do not understand. They don't question the status quo. They don't question sacred history. And when you speak about historical truth, they what? Speak evil of the things which they have no intelligence, understanding of. And they shall utterly perish in their own corruption. And they shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. They have eyes full of adultery. They cannot cease from sin. From the moment they wake up, they most probably dream of iniquity. Constant companion is sin. They are beguiling unstable souls. A heart they have exercised with covetous practices. They are cursed children which have forsaken the right way and they have gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumbass speaking, I think I got the emphasis wrong on the word there, sorry. The, the dumbass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. And there's another parallel verse, of course, in Jude chapter 1. There is only one chapter, so that was silly of me to say it. Let's just say the 11th verse. Woe unto them, for they have gone the way of Cain. They have ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward and perished with the gainsayings of Kor. Why thrice do we have such a warning? In the New Testament, in the Brit Hadashah, it must be of utmost importance if it appears thrice within the pages of the New Testament scriptures, the Brit Hadashah. Because what we're talking about today, my friends, is magic. We're talking about unicorns, things that don't really exist, but maybe we could conjure them up. This passage is, comes from the Tanakh, from the Torah, I should say, specifically the 21st chapter of the book of Numbers leads into it. 
And it leads us into a passage in the 22nd chapter, the 23rd chapter, and the 24th chapter, where even the King James Version translators do actually include the unicorn several times. So I'm not joking when I say this is about unicorns and magic. It's about conjuring things up that don't really exist, but conjuring them up in the presence of the end day saints. But they're such unstable souls. They're so politicized. They're so sensitive that if you even question their sacred history, then they will come against you and they will deliver you up to tribunals. They will throw you in jail for sufferings for 10 days and you will find yourself up against as the narrative of chapter 2 builds the synagogue of Satan building into the magic and unicorns of Balaam this is chapter 2 of the book of Revelation and you will find our source text is Numbers chapter 21, 22, 23, and 24. It's all about magic and unicorns and gatherings. It's about the gathering of the children of Israel. But it gets then very weird because really the next textual episodes in the chapter 22, 23, and 24, really Balak is saying, I want you to curse, but the curses turn into blessings. What's black turns into white. What's white? It becomes really weird because in the end times, there's only going to be a select group of people that are going to be awoken to the spirit of Yahuwah, that have the testimony of Yahusha and keep his commands, that are going to be able to discern what is really holy and what is profane, what actually is masquerading as a blessing, but really it's wicked as hell, a curse. And in the meantime, they will be called accursed, wicked as hell, by the majority. But in reality, they are the called out assembly of Yahuwah. It's a very strange world to live in. There's a lot of magic. And you might even find some unicorns. Balak was the one who ushered in this whole, whole scenario by, of course, wanting to purchase Balaam, a magician, a sorcerer from Pharaoh's court. Now, some would say in the commentaries that this is, in fact, Balaam is actually associated with Johns and Jambres, which, of course, were the magicians in Pharaoh's court. But in Numbers chapter 22, we see the narrative. Let's look at some Hebrew today. Because Balak in the Hebrew means the destroyer. The destroyer. Now, remember, we are going into the pages and the apocalypse of Revelation. Revelation 9.11 9-11, of course, we find a king over them whose name is what Abaddon or Apollyon, depending whether you're looking at the Hebrew and the Greek, the destroyer, the destroyer that is going to bring forth this end time scenario 
which is going to be very strange when you're going to have to be able to have the discernment to be able to navigate through all the magic and the unicorns that are going to appear at the very hetzed, the hetzed, I should say, of the synagogue of Satan. Balak means the destroyer, but Balaam himself was a worshiper of Shemosh, and you'll find that in the Numbers chapter 21, verse 29. You know, child sacrifice, the trafficking of children, and that P word that we won't use, that, you know, Epstein and all of those were involved in. That's going to be a big part of this as we start to unfold the narrative to daily. Balaam means in the Hebrew, not of my people. So I'm trying to give you some clues here. Not of my people. So you have the destroyer, Balak, who is going to introduce to you Balaam, somebody that's going to present some people that aren't really of Yahweh's people, that are going to pretend to be his people, but they are not of my people. Balaam. This is an amazing chapter. And of course, it's going to get us into a lot of trouble. So please, make sure that you download our teachings before we figure out our, as we figure out how to get onto a, um, a parallel platform here. So we have the destroyer, Balak, sending for not my people, Balaam, or the son of burning, the son of burning. Remember the son of Beor? That means the son of burning, of course, that is of Edomite or Turkic Mongol extraction. When you look at Beor, of course, that has Edomite, Turkic Mongol extraction, is then sent forth to curse Israel. So it sounds very much like, to me, like the what? The narrative builds, the synagogue of Satan as we proceed in this verse. Look, I'm trying to be as frank as I can. I really am. I'm trying to be as frank as I can without being deplatformed and accosted more than I already am being accosted. So I will preface this whole teaching with a phrase, okay? And you're going to have to be a little bit wise when discerning with this. But I'm going to preface this whole teaching with a phrase. This happened. Yes, this happened. Now, you figure out, you're smart, you figure out what the this is. But this happened, okay? Right, and now I've prefaced the whole teaching. The spirit of Balaam is at work in the world today. It is at work in the world today. It's occult magic where a people who are really not of my people, are presented to the world by the destroyer, the son of burning. This is the curse. This is the curse, and the deception has been hoisted upon us. I'm going to repeat that because it sets the tone for the whole teaching 
And this is some big paradigm shifts for some of you. I mean, I could have done the whole Torah portion, Balak, and gone with the messianic, you know, all of this cool, cute, fluffy, duffy stuff. And I've done it in the past. But you know what? I don't think we have that much time to be messing around with poems, poetry, and playground stuff. So whatever happens, happens. But I will not be seduced. And you had better not be seduced by the spirit of Balaam, of compromise, of backtracking. Once you've set your hand to the plow, you shall not take your hand off the plow because if you do, you are not worthy for the kingdom of Yahuwah. So we go all the way to the end, no matter what the cost is. That's my commitment, even if I get committed. That is my, and there's many that are saying that I should. But, you know, they're just a bunch of Zio-Bolshevik trolls, and we don't worry about those people. So the spirit of Balaam is at work in the world. It's occult magic where a people who are really not of my people are presented to the world by the destroyer. Revelation 9-11, the son of burning And this has been thrust upon us in this generation. Six million. I mean, what a loaded number. What a loaded number. I mean, there's this weird fixation on the number six million. And it comes from Babylonian sorcerers. And it comes from their monkeying around with the prophecies in the Torah. Specifically, the prophecies laid out by Yahuwah through Moshe that are a blessing. But they Spin it through unicorn magic, the prophecies and working magician Balaam, and then they thrust it on an unsuspecting generation at a specific time that is calculated through Hebrew gematria that is foreordained by the synagogue of Satan. I mean, some of you are really nervous just because I said a number. Why? I just said six million. Because you know that that number is a special, special number that you are not even allowed to encroach upon, to even get around the edges, to even skirt around, yet alone speak it publicly unless you signed up the political party of the Antichrist. You see, the Torah tells us this is where we're to be looking. Turn in your Bibles to Leviticus chapter 25, verse 10. Because six million, it doesn't come from nowhere. It comes very specifically from Balaam's magic with the Torah which got imported, of course, by the Magi when they came back from Babylon. Magi, Babylonian Judaic sorcerers. 
that replaced the Torah with the Babylonian Talmud. They usurped Yahuwah with the rabbis and their father, which Yahushua called out. Leviticus chapter 25.10 is all about, just like Balaam is trying to do, is to gather, gather, gather. Remember, chapter 21, 22, 23, and 24 of Numbers is all about the gathering of Israel, yet Balak is concerned about that great gathering of Israel because he feels like they're just going to lick up the ground all around them and that his kingdom will be threatened. So he hires Balaam to try and disperse the gathering of Israel. We live in the end times where Yahuwah is gathering all 12 tribes scattered abroad. So therefore, Satan is on full thrust over trying, trying to disperse and conjure up through magic and unicorns another gathering of another tribe of another sort outside the household of Israel. Leviticus chapter 25, 10, 6 million. And ye shall follow the 50th, and ye shall hollow the 50th year, and proclaim liberty throughout all the land. These words are inscribed upon the liberty bell, because this is all about the jubilee being letting the captives free, setting the captives free, and they return to their land. They return to their land. And ye shall hallow the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. It shall be a jubilee unto you. And ye shall return every man unto his possession and ye shall return every man unto his family. And ye shall what? Return every man unto his possession. And ye shall return every man unto his family. This is the magician's riddle of six million. And it didn't come from nowhere. It's magic and unicorns. The phrase, ye shall return, is the Hebrew phrase, tashuvu. Tashuvu, where we get teshuvah, to return. But here, there seems to be a problem. There seems to be a little bit of a problem with the text. Tashuvah, tashuvu, here in the text is spelt Tav Shin Vet Vav. Tav Shin Vet Vav. And it seems to be spelt incorrectly because it's actually missing another Vav. And it should be spelt Tav Shin Vav. Vet Vav. It's missing the Vav. And here's where Balaam comes in. So there's a reason why six million appears in multitudes 
And I mean, six million appears in multitudes and multitudes of print articles after the first, um, excuse me, after the first Zionist Congress that happened in Basel, Switzerland at the end of the 19th century. From about 1880 all the way through 1930, before the Second World War, six million appears in print after print after print articles for about 50 years. And it all happened after the first Zionist Congress, hosted by Theodore Herzl, who was an occult magician in Basel, Switzerland. The question is why it's in this very text, and it's all about the Vav. It's all about the missing Vav. You have to have the missing Vav for you to be able to go back into the land, your possession, and every man to return to his family. Bear with me while I lay this all out bare for you today. It's the mystical and magical conjure number associated with ushering in the Balaam oracles of return to the land of Israel. You see, the magic is this. The letter Vav is missing in the text. Vav numerically is six. You have to conjure up the vanishing Vav and the spell will be set. This is occult magic. It's the synagogue of Satan taking the truth of Scripture and twisting it just like Satan has taught in Matthew chapter 4. Yet Yahushua rebuts Satan by using the Scripture correctly. But magicians and magi and Balaam took the prophecies and they invert them. The magic here is the missing Vav. Vav equals six, meaning the return to your inheritance, the return to the promised land will only happen upon the manufacture of the missing Vav. The missing Vav is what enables the return to happen. The missing Vav is what enables the return to happen. Now, like any good magician, the Magi must pull the missing Vav out of the hat and that will create the illusion of return which will in fact set up the Antichrist's kingdom all the while the whole world is heralding it as the great return. It's the great return. The synagogue of Satan prophecies in the Torah require that six million Jews must vanish before the state of Israel can be formed. You shall return minus six million. Now, altogether now, for our Orwellian world trump, this happened. 
You see, six million, the Vav, has to appear to be removed for the return to happen. Now, this was conjured up in Basel, Switzerland. That's why six million appears in printed manuscripts and texts for 50 years before World War II ever even, the first shot was even launched. I'm not talking one or two printed texts. I'm talking multitudes of Jewish texts, of rabbinical texts, of newspapers, of encyclopedias. There are so many, it's count, I mean, you go look at it online. They're all archived. This is before the first shot of World War II was even, even fired. Why? Tashuvu. Tav, Shin, Vet, Vav. Without the other Vav is a synagogue of Tan prediction to the Jewish people to return to a national homeland. And when was all this designed to happen? They figured this out. This is gematria. Listen. Tashuvu. Tav, Shin, Vet, Vav. Tav equals 400. Sheen equals 300. Vet equals 2. And Vav equals 6. For a total of 708. Now, when you write this out, you're going to ignore the millennia. You're going to ignore the millennia. Okay? On the Gregorian calendar, 1948. On the Hillel Canada calendar, 5708. You ignore the five. That's the millennia. 708. You've got to manufacture the missing valve for the people to come back to get the world nations to sympathize and enable the magic to happen. It has to. This is Balaam's magic, and they take it from converting, inverting, I should say, the prophecies of Torah because they are against Yahuwah himself. They say, we did return, lacking six, just as the magician's prophecy and magic spell was ushered. We did return with the missing Vav, the all-important six million of our people who perished in the Holocaust. You see, the prophecy envisioned that before the Ashkenazi could reclaim and reconquer Palestine to establish a Zionist state called Israel, six million Jews would first have to perish in a fiery burnt offering. What does the King James Version call a fiery burnt offering? It calls it a holocaust. The word holocaust way predates the 20th century. It's a King Jimmy word. Okay? Now, of course, in the NIV and all of your new translations, they would never translate it in that way because now that word has been reserved 
for a special group of people and you had better not encroach upon that word. Well, hang on a minute. The King James Version already established that that word is a fiery burnt offering. And now we see that they say six million Jews would first have to perish in a fiery burnt offering, a holocaust, as a sacrifice to their bloodthirsty tribal deity, Yahuwah. That's what the rabbis say. Because they're not serving Yahuwah. This is all put forth by Babylonian magicians who circumvented Yahuwah with Babylonian Judaism. And that's exactly what Balaam was trying to do. He was trying to circumvent Yahuwah through the magic. Unicorns. Making things exist that are not real. Why do you think Yahusha goes to such pains to warn us about a man who lived over a thousand years before him and thousands upon thousands of years before us? How is this relevant to us today, to our modern world? that it would jump right out of the pages into our political, apocalyptic stratosphere. Why? It all comes from that text, the missing Vav. Vav equals six. You've got to create the missing Vav. You have to make the vanishing Vav become apparent to all. And that will usher in the return to the land. But it will be done on a specific date according to the occult gematria. 708. You take out the five of the millennia. 5708 on the Hillel calendar was 1948 on the Gregorian calendar. That is why six million appeared 50 years in multitudes and multitudes of published papers before the first shot of World War II. And now, of course, for our Orwellian sponsors, everybody together, this happened! You figure out what the this is. See? I mean, who would have thought we'd have had to really? But that's the world we live in today. That's the world we live in today. This is jumping right off our pages for us. We can't be cursed by man, but we sure can be seduced. That's what Yahushua is warning us about, the seduction. This is a warning about conspiracy. About conspiracy. And we live in a day and age where there's more conspiracy and we're more familiar with that with that term than any other generation that precedes us Balaam is a warning about a conspiracy arranged between two nations the kingdom of Moab and the nomads of Midian it's a prophecy that totally unravels the end days conspiracy between two nations the nation of Islam and the nation of Ashkenaz 
to make war against the woman and her offspring in Revelation 12. You see, the two nations, Ashkenaz actually employs the nation of Islam as its foot soldiers to bring in the conspiracy. But it is highly political and it is highly financial and that is led to Ashkenaz. This is where we live today. It manifests through a Kushner-type influential spokesman of the nations or of the world to come to the area and pronounce, just like Balaam, curses upon the remnant faithful community. But are they curses or are they blessings? Or It just becomes so confusing. But not to me it doesn't, and now hopefully not to you. It's a prophecy for our times, Revelation chapter 2. And can't you see how panicked nations will call upon some politically powerful spokesman to slander and curse the believing community? And this whole having an internet thing is a big problem for the world today. Because people like us now have a voice. You've got to get rid of that, which is why they're having this major thrust for deplatforming, to shut all those voices up. So we really have to take action and we really need to be careful. But that doesn't mean compromise. So what's the price of all of this? It's a new world order conspiracy of the nations, plotting to thwart the rise of biblical Israel. That's what it's about. They do not want biblical Israel to rise up. By electing a voice for bootleg Israel, the state of Israel and the synagogue of SA10. And again, you can see how the narrative builds. Look at chapter 2, verse 14. But I have a few things against you because you have there them that hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit fornication. So have I, you also those that hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans, which teaching I hate. Verse 16, make teshuva, make repentance, return, or else I will come to you quickly. You see, there's a true teshuva, or there's the fabricated teshuva. One is heralded by the synagogue of Satan based upon Balaam's magic and the vanishing Vav. Or one is heralded by the king of kings and his people stand up to the teachings of Balaam. Verse 17, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the Israelite congregations. And it really is, you have got to have an ear to hear what the Spirit says. I mean, I don't spend too much time, quite honestly, looking at the comments of what people say about the teachings, but sometimes they do get screenshotted to me. And oftentimes I say, please don't screenshot stuff to me. I don't want to know. I don't need to know. I mean, I don't know. But... I did get a few from last week, which I found amusing. We did a whole teaching identifying the Shemitic line, 
And then you get some noodles that then accuse you of anti-Semitism based upon the Japheth line. And you're like, heard nothing. Ignorance is bliss as their head is in the sand. Ostriches. And you're like, and people are like, well, hang on a minute. Did you not get that I am the most pro Shemai out there? Because my job, my calling is to gather in all 12 Shemitic tribes from the nations. That is, I am so pro Shemitic. But I am anti Japathetic. You see, but people, do you have an ear to hear? I, I don't get a word he just said. Yet my, my, my eight-year-old can get that. My 13-year-old, like totally, oh yeah, tracks the genealogy. You've got a two-line split here. And never the twain shall meet. See? I went off on a rabbi trail. But it is, of course, that rabbi from Nazareth, not those rabbis from Babylon. Make a choice. Verse 17 of chapter 2. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the Israelite congregations. To him that overcomes will I give to eat of the hidden manna. Remember, the whole narrative in chapter 21 of Numbers, it's all builds upon them what? Moaning and complaining about the manna. They didn't like the manna. They wanted to go back to Egypt where there was olives and not olives, but garlic and onions. Wouldn't have mind some olives, I bet. But you know, that's the problem. But there's another manna. It's the living manna. So the narrative is parallel. And that's why it's brought forward into our days here. And I will give to him a white stone in the stone, a renewed name written, which no man knows other than he that receives it. So in Numbers chapter 23, verse 9, you get Balaam's first oracle. Of course, he's got three oracles. And his first oracle says thus, a people who dwell apart, scattered, and not be reckoned amongst the nations. So yes, We've been scattered into the nations, but are we actually part of the nations? We're in the world, but not of the world. And our separateness, our holiness is what makes us distinct and what eventually will bring about our persecution. Because we will not compromise. We will not become syncretized with the nations. We're set apart and that set-apartness is what draws criticism, doesn't it? Well, why, why can't you just be more like the world? Why can't you just go along with post-Allied war, World War II sacred history? Just, just go along with it, please. Why would you rock the boat? Look, this is what's gone on since 1945, and, 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 and you just do what we say. Well, hang on a minute. I remember that my father actually liberated the camps in Europe. So shall I listen to historical truth that I heard with my own ears, or shall I listen to sacred history that is unquestioned? 
I'd rather go with eyewitness accounts, thank you, and I'd rather go with what is written in thousands upon thousands upon thousands of pages of documents that were recovered from World War II. Do you know how many documents the Allies recovered from Germany? They're all available on microfilm, microfish. I'd rather read what was actually written and do the math. For instance, let's just make something up because everybody together, it happened. Let's just make up a pretend scenario. Just say I came up with a number. Just say that number was six million, okay? This is a fictitious scenario. And then just say the Red Cross came along and they had records and they said, well, there needs to be a reduction of 1.5 million. Well, then that would, to any of us that have done any simple math, mean that now the corrected record would be 4.5 million at least, according to the Red Cross statistics. Well, why hasn't the number been corrected, at least to that? I mean, this is fictitious, of course, you know, in that scenario. It is written. You have computers. Don't believe what I'm saying. Go and search it out for yourself. But these are the things that so many people are afraid to do. Because if you go down that wormhole, your whole post Allied World War II scenario implodes. And you'll find yourself on the same vehicle ride as General George S. Patton and numerous, numerous others at that time. And that is what terrifies some and it causes them to go off the deep end where they just walk away from it all. They walk away from the faith. They walk away from the church. They walk away from the Bible. They walk away from their family. And that was my father. Because he saw things there that didn't make sense to what we were told in our sacred history. And there are many people, but many of them now are dying off and few remain. So it's harder and it's going to be harder to recover historical truth when there's such loud voices that are so heavily politicized the other way. Of course, this is all fictitious because everybody says it happened. You see, Numbers 23 verse 9, Balaam's first oracle, it is written, a people who dwell apart and not be reckoned amongst the nations. So you fast forward and we get to Balaam's final oracle, which speaks of the transferred scepter. You're going to see the connection here. This is the problem. This is the bone of contention. The scepter has been transferred out of one company's hands into the hands of another. 
And that will not do for the synagogue of Satan. That will not do. And the only ones that are aware to it are those that have the testimony of Yahushua and keep his commandments, like unto the church of Smyrna and Philadelphia, those that have identified the cat, the little scoundrel, the witch's black cat in the midst of politicized Israel, the world that we live in today. You see, Balaam's final oracle, and we'll get there, speaks of the transferred scepter, no longer in Judah, but belonging to Israel, specifically the grafted-in, redeemed sons of Jacob. This is a prophetic war, and that's what we have found ourselves in. I didn't choose to be born in this generation, and neither did you. You can choose, just like the prophecies say, to go with Balaam, and your way will be well. Compromise. Syncretize. Accept the status quo. Sit down, shut up, and don't speak of what I'm speaking of today. And it will go well with you, my friends. But if you're with Yahushua, you will not stand for the wickedness, the witchcraft, the syncretism, and the compromise, no matter what the cost, even if it means that they take you away, even if it means that you will be hated for his name's sake. Yahushua took a stand and he said, your father is of the devil. And because of that, they did an exchange of transaction, just like Balaam with Judas, and they made the trade. And that's exactly what happened. The Balaam prophecies are huge. This is a prophetic war striking through the corners of Moab. Eren and Seir will become possessions. There is to be no divination in Israel. That's what Yahweh says. There is to be no divination in Israel. The Jewish exorcists, the synagogue of Satan, isn't Israel. And here's just a polite word, seriously, just a polite word of admonition to you. Be, beware of the calendrical savants out there, because that is a form of divination. It really is. And just like here, as in times past, it does cause bedlam within the body, because it's a form of magic. It's a form of magic where oracles of doom and prophecies of plunder are prophesied. But just, just be warned. You see, Balaam is a prophecy, and within the name is hidden the prophecy, and it's an acronym. Balaam, Balak, Laban, Amalek, and Mitzrayim, the enemies of Israel. It's an acronym within his name. Balak, Laban, Amalek, and Mitzrayim. And if we stay on track with Yahuwah, we'll find ourselves, just as the narrative unfolds, accompanied, and this is my hope, 
that we'll find ourselves accompanied by the Malak, the angel of Yahuwah, and we'll receive the prophecies of protection. Because none of us are going to get through this by our own power and strength. It's going to be through power of prayer and supplication, and we will be met by the angel of Yahuwah that will bring forth the protection. And that's what we see. But there's another way it can go, and it went that way for Balaam, of course, as that angel was about to thrust him through as he was on the wrong, wrong, directive way. We really need to stay on track with Yahuwah. Otherwise, we'll find ourselves accompanied by angels of destruction in a sickle harvest to reap the wrath of Elohim. And we don't want that. But that's the way that it's going for many, many out there that refuse to stand in the gap, that refuse to stand in for true biblical prophecy and true biblical Israel. The angel of Yahuwah is for you. The angel of Yahuwah is for me if we're to get through with the prophecies of protection. Remember when Hagar fled from the house of Abram, the angel of Yahuwah found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness. And when, with the birth of Isaac and the doom of Sodom and Gomorrah were foretold, Yahuwah there appeared in form to Abraham at the Oaks of Mamre. In Genesis 18, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day, and he lifted up his eyes and looked, lo, Three Malachim men or angels stood by him. It's the prophecies of protection or the prophecies of plunder. Depends whether you stand with Yahusha or whether you stand with Balaam, magic and unicorns. You see, Yahuwah is here in the narrative with two attendant angels. He wouldn't hide from Abraham his judgments on the cities of the plain. And Yahweh has not hidden from me and will not hide from you his prophecies of judgment upon the cities of the plain out there. And we're in the front lines and seeing this unfolding in this day and age. The angel of Yahweh will be, be encouraged, will be with the remnant faithful at the exact time the judgment strikes upon their enemies. And this is what John the Revelator wants us to understand. Because ultimately, we should take comfort from these words and be edified. In Numbers chapter 22, verse 22, it is written, You see, the angel of Yahweh at this time went before the camp of Israel in the wilderness. And it says thus, When the anger of Yahweh was kindled against Balaam, Verse 31, an angel of Yahuwah stood in the way. And when Yahuwah opened the eyes of Balaam and he saw the angel of Yahuwah, though unseen before, he bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. And the angel said, verse 35 of chapter 22 of Numbers, only the word that I shall speak unto thee, thou shalt speak. Not a word less, not a word more. Only that word. Well, what word? What word? What word did the angel reveal to Balaam? We have to go to Numbers chapter 24 and verse 
17, it is written, this word, now qualified and identified, others he spake, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab, and shall destroy the children of Seth. Here's your missing Vav connection. This is all about the ingathering, but it's twisted. Because really, we're trying to curse them, but we ended up blessing them, right? And Bashan is just so mad with Balaam. What the earth is going on here? But you're not going to speak a word more than what the angel of Yahweh said, and not a word less. And this is the word. And Yahushua told John the Revelator. He told Peter. He told Jude to put it in. Not just one witness. Not By the testimony of two or three witnesses, a matter is established. This is the most important scenario before I can even begin chapter 3. And by, we get, by the time we get half through, halfway through chapter 6, some of you are going to be so disturbed and so mad that you have been utterly deceived. But you know what? Yahweh is waking up his people. And it is causing a division like you have never seen. So that he can now clearly separate the wheat from the chaff before the harvest comes. Because we'll start to bear forth fruits of meekness and humbleness and bow low. But the tares will be stuck upright for that sickle to come along and gather that first into the fire for destruction. So Yahuwah can go out through the Malachim, the angels, and find the treasure in the field. Israel, my beloved treasure. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Remember, chapter 24, verse 17 is the answer to the question of the angel in the earlier chapters of Numbers 22. Here in the 17th verse of Numbers chapter 24, we find the answer. John in Revelation wants us to be reassured that just like the children of Israel, when oppressed by the Midianites who left them no sustenance, cried out to Yahuwah, and it is written thus, And there came an angel of Yahuwah, and he sat under the oak in Ophrah, as Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of Yahuwah appeared unto him and said unto him, Yahuwah is with thee, thou mighty man of valor, by his hand, Yahweh delivered Israel from the Midianites. So the teaching of Balaam in the apocalypse is here specifically to warn us not to serve other gods, not to worship the image that will be set up, not to take the mark. We have to navigate the future by, just, by digesting the lessons from the past. 
We have to. We shall bless our Yahuwah who sent his angel as in times past and delivered his servants who trust in him. Even in the midst of all of this controversy. Well, you don't want to stand out. You don't want to be the only one crying in the town square. But sometimes you're just going to have to. Otherwise, you'll get caught up in magic and unicorns and you'll just be so confused because you won't have the discernment anymore because you compromised a long, long time ago. The Apostle Paul hints at the angel of Yahuwah prophecies by saying this, We are made a spectacle unto the world and even unto angels and even unto men. And are we not? We truly are. Yet in full assurance of faith, Paul asks this concerning the angels. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to them who shall be heirs of salvation? See, they are ministering spirits that minister to us that shall be heirs of salvation. That we don't relinquish from the call in our lives. And the call is the generation that he's birthed you and put you in. You have a calling in this generation. You have to fulfill it. In a politicized generation where people can't speak anymore without being offended. Where just a number, like six million, has got so much baggage with it. And all I'm saying to you that the baggage connects to magic and unicorns and taking the scriptures of Yahuwah and inverting them through Babylonian soothsaying that was then conjured up in Basel, Switzerland for 50 years because they knew that in 5708, according to the occult magic, that by incantation with their father that they would get the vanishing vav and the sympathy of the nations as was prophesied through Balaam. Because Balaam the masses. But to those of us who have eyes to see and ears to hear it is as clear as clear can be and an assurity of the day and age in which we live. The harvest is the end of this age, and Yahushua is truly about to send forth his ministering spirits, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and cast them into a furnace of fire. It is the sickle harvest. And in that same time, end time harvest, the wheat, the children of the kingdom, shall be gathered into the garner. And he will send forth his ministering spirit, sent forth to minister to us, who will be heirs of salvation. And they shall gather his elect.
from the four winds of heaven. You see, Balaam sheds light into the days that you and I do such live, into the days full of magic and unicorns and sorcery that tries to entice us away from Bible truth and entice us away from Yahushua himself. Don't depart and don't compromise and don't draw back. That is the spirit of Balaam. And we shall call it out until the very end. Questions, comments, let's see. I think I might have uh, um, some being forwarded to me here. Let's see if I can work a few here. If I can work one of these devices, I think I can. Let's see what we got here. Let's have a look at a question, an online question here. All right, this is from Stacy R. on the chat and said, would he, I, I imagine that would be moi, would he mind explaining how we know the Vav is missing in Leviticus 25 verse 10? Maybe there are others besides me who aren't quite clear on this. All right. How do we know the Vav is missing? Well, it's just within the spelling itself because, and it has been commented on for millennia since the return from Babylon by, of course, the mystic synagogue of S.A. Tam. Which camera are we on? Are we on the main one? Are we? Where are we at? Where are we at? All right, there you are. Okay, there's so much going on. So, that question, let me get that question for you, see if I've got an answer. Well, yes, of course, it's the difference in the phrase, you, ye shall return in the spelling. So the traditional spelling, of course, is with the added vav, which is the tav, shin, vet, vav. You have the tashuv, um, tashuvu, but... We want to see the additional vav, and there is the distinction between that in the Hebrew language. And then the commentaries notice, of course, the lack of the vav, and then they get into that within the magic. So a lot of this, I mean, I don't recommend it, of course, but is in their occult writings, the Zohar, the Talmud, and all that type of thing, which, you know... I, of course, have read that stuff when I was heavily into the Messianic movement. But now I just think that it was for a time and for a purpose specifically. So, yeah, it's the difference between Tashu Vu, which is the Tav, Sheen, Vet, Vav, and the corrected spelling or the correct spelling would be Tav, Sheen, Vav, Vet, Vav. So you've got that additional Vav that should be there in traditional Jewish spelling, which everybody knows, which is between the shin and the vet, which isn't there. Okay, so there's your magic there. Let's see if we got another one. I don't know if I even explained that very well, but, you know, I do the best I can with what little I've got. All right. This is from Thomas Hughes. Is MN saying the six million Vav is being manifest into the collective subconsciousness. So the inversion prophecy is 
to be fulfilled or I am totally missing this. Thomas, where's Thomas? Which camera are we on? We switched again? We're over here. <laughs> you got it, Thomas. Thomas is on the money. So, all right, let's get another one. We got another one? Let's get another one. This is fun, isn't it? All right, all right. I have to be careful now. I don't want to weird, read something too weird. I most probably would, though. Let's see. Ah, all right. This one's from Stacy R. Because an impeachment can have a great impact on these last days, does Matthew have an opinion? You know Matthew's got an opinion. Of course he's got an I've got an opinion about absolutely everything. Now, it doesn't mean it's right, but everybody that knows me knows that I have an opinion. Now, what, what do you want to know if I've got an opinion about? Um, oh, what does this really mean prophetically? What this really means prophetically, in my opinion, is that we are at such a hostile level not seen since before the Civil War in the 19th century. Both politically hostile in Washington, D.C., the narrative on the street, just like in the days between the North and the South, where it's so politically charged that I don't think the impeachment is a problem. Anyway, he's still president, right? right? I, mean, people, I mean, some noodles thought, oh, he's impeached. And then they most probably woke up the next morning with their coffee and eggs and were like, what? He's still president? Yes, impeachment doesn't mean that he's not going to be president. He's still going to be in president. But now what you've done is you've just entrenched his supporters even further. They are more fired up. They are more on fire for the president that it's actually done a disservice to the Democrat Party. And I am not being political here for one or t'other because I'm of another world and of another kingdom. So, you know... Basically, if you vote Republican, you just put the brakes on. And if you vote, vote Democrat, you've gone full on the gas. But ultimately, it's going to get to the same destination. Yahushua is in charge of history. Do you want to get there fast or do you want to have a little bit of a slow break? Well, it's up to you. I stay out of that. I just narrate on it and give my opinion. Anyway, on to the next question. This is fun. Let's see. All right. I don't know if I even answered that question. There's another one. Oh, it's coming down to the end here. All right. Now, this is from Connecting Dots. Define getting through this. Oh, very clever. Are you on board with the greater exodus? Excellent question. Of course, Jeremiah the prophet does talk about that there shall be an exodus even greater than there, what there was before, which is where you get this messianic phrase that was really birthed in the late 90s by Monte Judah and capitalized with mucho buco um, dinero of selling CDs called the Greater Exodus that most, many of you that still have CD players might have. Anyway, Jeremiah prophesied it. But the warning and admonition is, in the historical account of the book of Jasher, the tribe of Ephraim got the prophecies all mixed up, got the timeline mixed up, and they left Egypt 40 years early, and they got slaughtered in the wilderness. 
So, those that are buying the synagogue of S.A. Tan, 1948, Zio Conspiracy, Sacred History, Timeline of Prophecy, they are going to be doing a greater exodus to the state of Israel, trumped up all the way onto the Temple Mount, which isn't the Temple Mount, which is the Anatonia Fortress. And that will be the biggest wholesale slaughter for the Zio Bolsheviks. So get ready. There's a whole bunch of the Messianic movement that are lining up to do that. And, you know, that's not a good scenario. That's not the greater exodus we want to be caught up in. That's what the majority will be caught up in. What we are getting prepared for is the angel of Yahuwah to meet us in the way and reveal to us on where to go. But it's certainly not going to come through buying CDs or be revealed specifically at this time by me or anybody else. But we, in prayer and supplication, are being made wise to the deceptions in preparation for the true prophecy. That's my job, is to show you, and for you to show me, and as a community, for the landmines along the way that we can navigate through in these days in which we live. Let's see what else we got. My phone wanted to get my facial recognition before it let me in. <laughs> Let's see. All right, Brother Peter of Judah. What's the difference between Hebrew Israelite and your teachings, Shalom? Now, I'm not sure if he means black Hebrew Israelites or just Hebrew Israelites, because there is a difference, you see. So what I teach is Joseph's scepter, if you will, which is a multi-ethnic group, or the Malkitzedic coat of Joseph, all 12 tribes. Now, that's what I teach, whereas I believe the um, black Hebrew Israelites is teaching specifically on color, or people of color, and then saying that Caucasians are Edomites. So I don't agree with that. I believe that Yahuwah is inclusive of all people, all nations, and that when we are grafted in through Yahusha, that we are a multi-ethnic tribe. Now, I do believe that the regal Negroes of the house of Judah are primarily the house of Judah in exile. And I do believe that the Fehalim called the Palestinians the lighter-skinned tribe of Judah, which were the poorer working farmer class. Our majority used to be in Bethlehem and in the Gaza. But now many, of course, have been swallowed up by Islam. And I've gone into that before. But that's very different than black Hebrew Israelite theology. So it's, it's inclusive, of course, of people of color. And, of course, it's inclusive of all ethnicities because Yahuwah, of course, says that we come from Adam and Eve. And I believe racism is a social construct. If you believe that you're the children of Yahuwah, then it's so much bigger than that. So much bigger than that. 
And um, that's pretty exciting to be a part of that in this day and age. So, but I don't believe that we should be saying Ashkenazi, sons of Japheth, are what they say they are, when in reality we've got the Fehalim and the regal Negroes of the house of Judah in dispersion. So, you know, just call it what it is. But I just read the Bible and it seems quite clear to me. So let's have another look here. Any questions? Any other questions? I think I buzzed through them all, didn't I? So hang on. If we've got anything else. See. No, that was it. That was good there. So we had um, Thomas Hughes. We had Stacy R. And we had Brother Peter of Judah. Thank you very much. I'm glad that we got a response and we're able to answer a few questions through the technology. That was fun. I might have to do that again. I get to read through it at my own pace. I like that. So Baruch Hashem Yahuwah. Next week we will be, where will we be? Will we be in chapter 3? This remains to be seen. We won't? All right. Well, I had a good time today. I hope we're still available on YouTube next week. But in the meantime, we actually have been having some troubles. If any of you in the comments below maybe could help us out, we did try to open a BitChute account, and we were trying to migrate all of our teachings on through... What was, what was the app? What was it called? Oh, yeah, we were trying to migrate the teachings on through ditchyoutube.com, but we couldn't get them to populate. So maybe somebody out there has already done a migration from YouTube to BitChute and might be able to help some of us over here out. But in the meantime, download our stuff, back it up for us until we give you the thumbs up. And if you're still watching at this point, I pray it's because you're blessed, so give us some thumbs up. Keep the comments going down there. Subscribe to the channel while we've got one. And remember, I thoroughly enjoy kicking Balaam's ass.